Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode number 66 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode's brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa, and it's my favorite coffee. I'm drinking some right now, as a matter of fact. If you guys go to www.couchtowncoffee.com, you guys can save 20% when you make an order. Just enter the code word saxophone. Saxophone is this week's code word. And why is this week's code word saxophone? Because I'm interviewing Justin Comer, and Justin Comer has uh, a couple bands he's in, and not only that, but he's also got a radio show, and his radio show uh, doubles as a podcast. If you are out of the area, you can listen to it on demand pretty much anywhere. We discuss that in the upcoming podcast. We discuss where you can find the podcast, what it's all about. Uh, he's he's done a really cool thing. He's got this uh, radio show that it, um, he's been doing that is uh, kind of in conjunction with a free radio or a free concert series where, well, we get into it in the podcast. They uh, they bring lots of artists and and musician type people uh, in the same room together and let them make music. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. I uh, highly recommend it. I guess I didn't realize that the show started out that way, but uh, we discuss all that in the upcoming podcast as well as uh, all sorts of goodies about him, where he went to school and, and how he got educated to do what he's doing and uh, you know, just kind of what makes him tick. It's really kind of neat. I never really talked to Justin too much, but him and I have been uh, Facebook friends for about a year or so now and we met each other about a year or so ago um, at a little conference thing. So it's really, really cool to actually sit down and get to talk to him a little bit more than just the, the little bits of interacting that most people do on social media. So I want to say thanks to Justin for stopping by. I hope you guys like this episode. I had tons of fun talking with Justin. Hopefully you guys enjoy it too. This is ex- episode number 66 with Justin Comer. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. All right, uh, sitting down today with Justin Comer. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Yeah, that's right. Nailed it. All right. <laughs> that seems to be how about 50% of my podcast start was introducing the person before I ask how they pronounce their name. Yeah, and you are uh, Peter uh, Stackdale. Right? Yes, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> nailed it. Oh, so I actually met you at the, well, I was a podcaster for a very short period of time. Um and we were involved with a podcast group that got in a big meetup, and you were one of the people that helped kind of put it on. Um, you were at yeah. least musical entertainment, uh, emceeing the thing, the whole nines, uh, as well as a handful of other people. It was a it was a good time, man. Yeah, I brought a mixer. Um, I played some saxophone. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know I you, was there. I didn't know you uh, played sax, man. Is that like uh, is that what you started out as, or is that what you is that your main instrument of choice? Yeah, that's my main thing. I've been playing sax since I was, uh, I think, nine years old. Oh, dang. Yeah. That's before That's before most people start, isn't it? Because most people don't start until like fifth or sixth grade. Yeah, I was in fifth grade, but I was a little bit young for oh, grade. Oh, dang. Uh, <laughs> advanced. <laughs> well, my birthday's in September, so it's just, just a little young. All right, young. all right. So you uh, play, do you have a band that you currently play in? Um, I've got... Uh, sort of like smaller groups. I'm in a trio called Wombat, and yeah. I am in a duo called Drop Bear. Okay. And also another duo called JCJP. 
All right. So what's like the dynamics in these bands? Because I'm assuming you're playing saxophone. So this is not going to be like your typical um, guitar, drum, bass kind of deal, I'm assuming. Right. All right. Yeah, it's uh, fairly experimental stuff. Um, Wombat and Drop Bear specifically are um, free improvisation, totally improvised, 100%. Um, Wombat is me on sax, usually cool. baritone sax. Oh, cool. Uh, my friend Will Yeager on upright bass and Carlos Cotayo Solaris on the electric guitar. And he oh. has like a ton of pedals that he does a bunch of electronic noise with too. Dude, that's wild. Yeah, it's fun. We put out an EP, um, I want to say like one to two months ago at this point. <laughs> is that, uh, is that available online? Yeah, it's on uh, Bandcamp and also streaming on Spotify and all that. The EP is called Hand Rot Debris. You have to make sure you send me a link to that after we're done sure. here, and I'll put it right sure. in the right in the description section. Dude, that's uh, that's cool. I gotta check that out. I'm I'm super intrigued. So, uh, I mean, obviously, like what I do for my podcast is I just talk to people for the most part, and I I run into a lot of the same formula of bands. You know, it's a uh, guitar, drum, bass, singer, uh, a lot of punk bands, a lot of metal bands. You know, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. So it's really refreshing sure. to see that you uh, have the ability to at least incorporate. You don't even have a drummer in the band. Who? No, what, no. Where um, does the percussion come in? Um, there isn't always percussion. Sometimes uh, my saxophone noises are very percussive. I uh. like click my keys certain ways. Um, I can do. Have you heard the phrase tongue slap? Uh, I don't know if you know uh, a lot about sax technique. My sister played saxophone, and I played all through high played trumpet all through high school. But no, I don't know. Don't know anything about it. Okay, so a slap tongue. Uh, you, your tongue sort of forms a little suction with the reed. Okay. And as you pull your tongue down, the reed snaps off of your tongue back to the mouthpiece. Oh, I'm, that makes yeah. sense. I get what you're saying. It's a little yeah. sound. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, like you just, yeah. yeah, I got it. I totally get it. Yeah. That's cool, man. I didn't know. Uh, yeah, and then. I guess I never would have even thought of anything like that. Sure. And that's that's sort of like my that's most of what I'm doing musically is stuff that's like weird. <laughs> I want to make new sounds. Well, it makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems like uh, and this isn't anything to down on any of the other people I've talked to, but a lot of it is like a, the same rehashed formula. Like I'm in a punk band. Oops, I just hit my mic. I'm in a punk band. I'm in a metal band. You know, it's but it's all a lot of the same kind of I'm doing air quotes, same kind of thing, you know. Sure. Um, even though some of it is a little bit progressive in its own sense, but still like you're out there, um, no, no drummer, just slap tongue in it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's wild, man. So what do you, what else do you got going on as far as like the duos? What's the dynamic in those bands? Sure. Okay. Um, so drop bear, that's me on sax. Um, I think I've played mostly alto and tenor with that duo, um, so it's me on sax and Gabby Vanek on bassoon. Oh, so that's cool. just that's just kind of a woodwind duo. Uh, most of the time, we also have a lot of electronics going. She plays through a pedal board, uh, which is a little difficult for the bassoon because they're kind of hard to amplify. Yeah, I didn't know you. I guess I didn't know you could play a bassoon through a pedal board, but I guess nothing's <laughs> off limits. So. 
Yeah, the, the best way that we've found to make that work is... So you know the shape of a bassoon, just sort of a long tube? Yeah. It's got like, so a, like a curved straw right to like the middle of it somewhere. Right, that's where the reed is placed. So that's yep. where you, you blow in. Uh, the best way we've found to amplify her is to put a mic near the top where the hole is up there mm-hmm. and then another one um, kind of aimed at the middle of the bassoon. Mm-hmm. And that's... But they're like notoriously difficult instruments to record or amplify, so it's hard to it's hard to get like the full range of the instrument without having several mics on it. <laughs> yeah, and I it's mean it's a weird weird stick instrument. Then that's actually one of the benefits of uh, going to see music live as opposed to listening to it recorded, because recording music is is such a different beast as far as capturing what sounds come out of whatever instruments. And I guess mm-hmm. I I you know. Like I said, I spend so much of my time around playing a guitar. I never really thought too much about recording a, a wind instrument of any sort, so it's mm-hmm. it's all pretty new to me. Most of the time, if you point a mic at the bell of the instrument, that'll be fine. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. like a bassoon doesn't really necessarily have too much of a bell. It's got the hole at the top mm-hmm. and then a couple holes up the sides of it, but I don't know. Yeah, that's another one. Like You don't see too many people playing bassoon, though, anymore either. I mean, uh, yeah, it's mostly like an orchestra instrument. Yeah. So you're not going to see it at a rock club very often. So unless I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, where do you where do you take these shows to? Do you play it like uh, around the Iowa City area, or where do you play it? Yeah, I mostly I don't get out of town that often, so I mostly play shows at like the Mill and Trumpet Blossom and the Yacht Club here in Iowa City. That's cool, man. That's really awesome. That's uh. It's a very big scene, and it's uh, not very easy to wedge your way in there uh, if you're a band from out of town. So it's pretty cool that you've you got a little a niche there. You got a handful of places you can go to. That's that's really sweet, man. I'll have to go check it out sometime. I'm not in Iowa City as much as I used to be, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, man. If I ever get down there, I'll have to try and team it up with a time that you got a show coming up. That'd be tons of fun. I feel like we have one other band that we kind of need to talk about still, right? One duo. I think, uh, I think, oh, sorry. I lost you for a second. Oh. What did you ask? Uh, we have one more duo to talk about. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. I mentioned JCJP. Uh, so okay. that's um, that's a duo that I formed with Jason Palomara back in 2016. Uh, we met in grad school. We were both going to the university here for composition and he he's like 13 years older than me so he's he's got more life experience than i do yeah uh so he he's spent several years as a composer violinist um improviser electronic music producer he's got a lot of different stuff going on and he invited me to at the time he was working for the dance department at the university oh cool and he invited me to join him to play for an improvisation class. So that's kind of how Jason and I got to playing together. And we found that uh, improvising with each other worked pretty well. And then eventually, as we were playing more and more together, it became an actual sort of band. So that band is also largely improvised, but we do usually have... You could call them songs, I suppose. <laughs> There's some sort of like uh, electronic track that we play over most of the time. Okay, so that's that's really cool. So that started out as something where you were just kind of, I don't want to say goof, you weren't goofing around, but you were just kind of uh, playing off the cuff, didn't think anything was going to come of it, 
longevity wise and it ended up being something that you guys held on to and it, you said it's mostly improvisational so you I'm, I'm assuming you have like a a little bit of a like a small outline going and you just kind of we're at section a here somewhere and now we're in section b and now we're in section c or something like that going on yeah it's largely like that uh whereas the the other two bands i talked about are like a 100 just like get on stage with no plan jcjp is actually a lot more structured okay despite still being all about improvisation well, that's really cool uh that's another thing you don't see too much of is improvisational music uh i mean i've None of the shows I go to have too many improvisational things going on, and that's actually one of the things I think is kind of fun about the punk band I'm in is, excuse me, we have, at the end of every set, uh, if there's enough time, if we're not going to push anybody off the show by doing it or go too long, we'll just mm-hmm. randomly bust out into some jam, and it usually would just like pick the key of whatever the last song was in, and we'll just do a jam. And, uh, nice. That's kind of like that. We have a couple couple high spots in the jam that we hit, and other than that, it's just do whatever you want and that's that's kind of fun you know i i really enjoy doing stuff like that it never i never thought i would honestly but um you you said you're going to school for composition is that musical composition yes yeah uh, okay music. what made you choose that or is that just something that's always been in your blood or um like your parents or did you have like somebody in school that inspired you or uh that's a good question uh my parents are not super involved in music my dad did play saxophone with he, when he was younger, but by the time I was getting to the age where I would play in school band, he wasn't he wasn't an active musician or anything. Um, but since he played the saxophone and he had a friend that had a sax, I borrowed his saxophone, and that's sort of how I got started. Oh, um, cool. So music was sort of a creative outlet for me from a pretty young age. Uh, by the time I got to high school... Like, that was pretty much all I cared about, you know? Like, the only sort of interest I really wanted to pursue was music. Mm-hmm. So I decided I wanted to go to college for music. Um, I grew up in Cedar Rapids, by the way. Oh, cool. Um, I went to Washington High School, which is, like, they have a really big uh, emphasis on performing arts there. So it was a good place for me to be at the time. Um, they offered an AP music theory class, Sweet. which was kind of rare. Uh, so I got to take that and sort of learn about uh formal structure and you know how how uh key signatures work and relate to each other and all this kind of stuff just Mm -hmm. going beyond what i learned just from reading music um so i decided that i wanted to go to college for music since that was all that i really had any interest in and i also uh i didn't really have the kind of wanderlust that a lot of people have when they are young adults so i just stayed in town i went to co-college who uh, they have a pretty good music program there. I studied composition with Oops. Dane. Hold on just a second. I lost there you anymore, there. but at the time. You said you went to co-college and studied composition? Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, I went to co-college uh, to study music composition and saxophone performance. Oh, cool. And they have a pretty, pretty good music department there. Um, I studied composition with Joe Dangerfield. I studied saxophone with Greg Morton. Cool. Uh, the band director there is Bill Carson, who I'm still pretty good friends with. Nice. Uh, I'm pretty good friends with basically the entire co-college music faculty still. Um, so what kind of stuff? And then as a, as far as performance, sorry to interrupt. As far as like performance yeah, wise at, at Co, what kind of stuff did you do? Were you just uh, 
was it more behind the scenes kind of stuff or did you ever get out and do any like uh band type stuff like pet bands or anything like that uh most of it was uh school performances so i wasn't like playing out at bars or anything but i played in the co-college concert band i sang in the choir oh cool Uh, I, i played in the jazz band also nice what else I mean, there's a lot of like solo recital stuff you do as a college music student. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's that's something that I always thought was crazy was going to school for music and um you it's just it's slightly unconventional, but it's also at the same time like I wished I would have done it because everyone I know that did it has such a better understanding of something that I love that I don't have, you know, that deep understanding that like people like you do or something like that. You know, it's I wish I would have spent more time around it and actually tried when I when I had time to do it <laughs> as as far as trying to scrape it all together in my 30s, you know. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean when you spend when you dedicate like several years of your life to only studying one thing, you tend to get some sort of uh, information out of that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So where'd you go after co-college then? Did you did you yeah, graduate, so I was, uh, graduate from there then? Yeah, I got a, a Bachelor of Music in Composition and Sax Performance. Cool. And uh, as as graduation from college was looming, I was like, well, I don't uh, know how to get a job in this field yeah. <laughs> or, or any field, to be honest. Uh, well. And my I mentioned him earlier, my composition professor, uh, Joe Dangerfield, he had studied at the University of Iowa to get his Ph.D., uh, a few years prior to that, he studied with a guy named David Gomper, who is still um, a composi- uh, composition professor at the University of Iowa. So I decided to apply to grad school there since I had that sort of personal connection. And I got in and I got a music theory assistantship, which means that my tuition was all paid for. Cool. Which, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're considering grad school, only go if you're in that kind of situation where it's all paid for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, it's that's a pricey penny. I uh, yeah, I'm coming close to the end. Well, you were talking about how you didn't have that wanderlust after high school and you kind of stayed close to home. I did the same thing, yeah. except I didn't even go to college, man. I just worked a, a crap job and that's all I did. But you yeah. know, I waited till I was like 30 to go back, and now I'm ending getting close to the end of four years, and it's like, man, what am I gonna do with? Uh, after this because i could just i could go get a job but i also want more schooling but man it's so expensive yeah yeah what are you going to school for uh accounting not quite as fun and creative as uh music but <laughs> it's not as fun but it's easier to get jobs with that degree i think <laughs> oh yeah that was that was literally the only reason i chose it i was good with numbers and uh jobs would probably be in higher abundance than most so mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm I'm still jealous of people like you though. Like uh you guys are going out and doing the thing that so many of us when we were younger and had like that dream of like, man, I want to go out and and learn how to play music and be a rock star or whatever, and you actually went out and and did it, you know, with uh your own instrument and learned how to compose music on a much deeper level than, you know, just the common 145 stuff you hear everybody playing. Sure. I mean, there's nothing wrong with one four five. No, I, I mean, I destroy one four five all day long, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I'll jam over it any day of the week. I'll show you my. Yeah. and 12- I mean, people people like listening to that too, which is yeah. a major factor in yeah. its popularity. You know. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, twelve bar blues is a thing for a reason. That's the reason everybody yeah. does it. You know, but it's uh, 
It is what it is. That's one reason I go to so many blues jam nights because it's like I can fit in here. It's this isn't going to be anything that's so over the top. I won't be able to understand it. But uh, oh yeah, I mean, you ever try anything like that? Do you play anything other than saxophone? Not to shift gears a little bit here, but yeah, I I mean, sax is my main. Oh, of course, it cuts out when I ask you that question. College and. Oh, sorry. Go back. What no, did you say? It, <laughs> just now. It, it cut out. I was like, "What's your favorite instrument?" And then it cut out. <laughs> or what? What do you play other than sax? Okay. But but yeah. What yeah. You... Other than sax. All right. So sax is my main thing. I actually um, started on violin before I was playing sax. That's but awesome. But I didn't keep up with that. Oh, bummer. Dude. Um, <laughs> I only played that for a couple of years, and then saxophone kind of overshadowed it for me. It is a much cooler instrument. Yeah. Sorry to any violinists out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I, um, uh, I was jealous of violinists. My, my cousins played violin growing up when I was really young, and I was like, how are you guys doing that? It, does, it like didn't make sense. I couldn't figure it out, so that was really cool. Yeah, it, the bowed string is a very like physically interesting phenomenon. Yeah, no frets, no nothing. You just know where everything's <laughs> at. Right. Yeah. So then you. But that also means you can play the notes between where the frets would be, which Bingo. is cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So what do you got other than saxophone and violin? Uh, yeah. So my let's see, my grandma tried to teach me piano when I was really young. Mm-hmm. That didn't didn't really stick. But then when I got to college, um, having a secondary instrument is a requirement for a lot of music schools. Mm-hmm. So I took piano lessons there. Got got a lot better than I was at piano. Um, and I actually now I accompany dance classes on a keyboard, so I've sort of kept up with that at this point. Dude, that's awesome. Um, let's see. My my grandma gave me an acoustic guitar for Christmas one year. Is that the same? That had, is that the same grandma that tried teaching you a piano? Oh, actually, it was the other one. <laughs> oh, dude, you got some awesome grandmas, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This was. Um, it belonged to my my grandfather who died before I was born. So she had somebody fix up his old guitar and gave that to me one oh, year. Neat. Yeah. It's a nice story. Um, <laughs> so I picked up guitar a little bit, uh, in middle school and high school. Um, uh, my mom got me an electric guitar at a pawn shop when I was 14. So I taught myself a little bit of guitar and played in like cover bands and did sort of goofy rock stuff in high school. Nice. Um, I picked up a bass after that cause it's, you know, close enough. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's usually the way it goes. Yeah. Man, um, what else? That's crazy. I, like, and this is all, this all seems to be like pre college. You've done all this stuff. Uh, yeah. And then in college, well, actually I think it was senior year in high school when I first had to play clarinet, <laughs> which is, it's like similar enough to a saxophone to be confusing if you started on saxophone. Okay. So to this day, I'm like not super good at clarinet, but I can fake it if I get a lot of practice in before I have to play. Okay. I've heard some people say that playing a clarinet is like one of the quote unquote easier wind instruments, but I have no clue because I wasn't good at any of them. Like, <laughs> sure. Uh, I played trumpet, so it has to be like brass wind for me to be good at it. You know, trombone, mm-hmm. tuba, whatever. But uh, yeah, anything with a reed, I was no good at. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say saxophone is a little bit easier than clarinet. But um, if you start on clarinet, it's a lot easier to pick up saxophone later than to uh, go the other way. Do you think it's easier for the saxophone because it doesn't have those finger holes on some of them? Yes, that is a big factor um, because the saxophone, it's all just keys mm-hmm. that close the hole completely if you have your finger pressed down. And with the clarinet, there's 
an actual hole there and your finger has to actually cover the entire hole for the uh for the pitch to come out properly yeah otherwise you squeak a lot which i'm sure i'm sure you've heard clarinet squeak yes okay so that explains why it happens now Um, (laughs) i just thought everybody was terrible when we were growing up no i'm kidding i was last chair trumpet i don't have any room to talk (laughs) yeah Oh man, that that makes me so jealous because I I didn't made it until I was like sixteen before I picked up a second instrument. And it was guitar, and of course I was the guy that's like, I'm gonna grow my hair out and be a punk rocker and burr burr burr, you know. And I just didn't actually learn how to play the guitar that well. I just learned how to read tabs and call it good enough and sure, yeah, you know, uh, fake it till you make it kind of deal. But uh, that's what I was doing too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's at least a first step because, like, from there, it took me so long to figure out how to apply any sort of music theory to that. Um, when I was in high school, they offered a music theory class, and it was uh, one semester long. It was like you know the equivalent of like your intro to music theory type stuff at a college level. Yeah. And uh, they taught us just enough there to make me realize I didn't know anything about the guitar, and uh, that was that was enough to at least make me so humble to the fact I just kind of like backed away from playing publicly. Cause I was like, man, I'm really not good at this thing, you know? And, uh, it wasn't until I was in my mid to late twenties. I finally like, was just like, all right, I gotta, I gotta try this actually. So I spent like, you know, about eight to 10 years. I didn't even play the thing, but, uh, I just started. Oh, playing wow. It. That's too bad. Yeah. I know. It's really unfortunate. Um, I, and all of that was just really just based on the fact that I was, um, humble is not the word maybe just ashamed of my own talent level. I don't know. I was just scared more than anything. Yeah, yeah. And uh Yeah, that makes total sense. So, yeah, then I started learning stuff and I was like, I think I got the gist of some of this. So, I, you know, once you start putting the pieces together, you start joining the bands again and get a little bit more confident in your abilities. But mm-hmm. uh you know, did you ever have anything like that where you were like uh kind of worried about how everything would come out and uh wouldn't, you know, uh, did you have like a performance or something you were going to try playing an instrument for something you were like, I don't know if this is going to work out so well. And you kind of just set it down and, and not, I mean, maybe, maybe not gave up for like eight years, but you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I didn't have so much like performance anxiety, but I definitely had a sort of like creative anxiety where like I, I knew I wanted to like write music, but I didn't feel comfortable like finishing things and like presenting them to the public in any way until really like until I was probably in like my mid 20s <laughs> man that's uh i feel like that's something that could probably strike a tone with everybody um that's the one reason i don't write music in any of the bands i'm in is cuz i'm literally mm-hmm. just so scared that someone's going to be like that was crap you know or like <laughs> or even if you just take it to band practice i'm in i'm in one of like the most chill punk bands ever which is kind of a weird oxymoron but uh nobody in there would ever say anything bad and even if the song was horrible they'd still be like let's play it anyways you know and yeah yeah <laughs> and i'm still and i'm still just like i don't know i'm just i don't know i just I don't want to feel like a schmuck out there i guess so i totally get it man it's uh it's not a performance thing more than anything it's a composition thing i guess now it was for me at least yeah yeah i i i feel like i've i've gotten over that in terms of like music like i can just i know sort of what I want to do with sounds but with words I'm like I do not want to write a song with lyrics <laughs> uh, yeah do you ever feel like uh if you put lyrics to a song it might um unfairly pigeonhole the music that is behind it because I mean I'm sure you've seen this stuff where it's like here's a movie with music 
that is completely been changed like uh and this is like this is why music matters or something and it's i think i saw one recently and it was darth vader like one of the first times he walks out and it's like a love song being played instead of like <laughs> right. scary stuff and it, it actually kind of fits and you're like well this this makes it creepy and weird um do you ever have anything kind of in in that vein i guess with uh words to songs because i feel like some songs have uh, really good basis to them, but at the same rate, like the words almost change what my mind would think of it without the words. Yeah, well, having uh, written and produced like almost entirely instrumental music, that is like a a block for me. Is like I don't really want to introduce the English language into this. I want the <laughs> I want just like the the noise to speak for itself. The only times I've ever really written lyrics to a song i wrote like a sort of country folk song a couple years ago it's only if i'm like really motivated by like an argument i had with somebody okay and i know i know like exactly what i want to say and it's more like it's kind of like a diss track i guess okay yeah okay <laughs> okay you have to have like some motivation behind it all to to get you to do what you want to get the words to come out the right way otherwise yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. If if you don't put English words to it, then everybody can enjoy it, and it's not a distraction. And not only that, but like, if you play it to somebody that doesn't, it's not a distraction. I think is like kind of the big thing I would probably take away from it because it, I don't know. To me, it just words to a song end up almost changing the meaning of it. And I didn't really think too much of it until recently when I was listening to an album um, with a guitarist that I enjoyed, and he was on some. Uh, in a band that I didn't really care too much for, but they released the album without any words as like a, like a dance mix because the, if you take the words out of it, it ends up being this nice, like poppy um, guitar shreddy kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is way different without the singer in it. And it's not that I don't like the singer or whatever, but uh, I do find myself gravitating towards music without words nowadays. Um, yeah. Um, is that like your proclivity too? Do you, uh, kind of find yourself searching out music that has no words on the internet when you go to like listen to music? Uh, I don't, uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. You cut, you cut out for a second. So All I just right. want to make sure. Um, I don't, I don't sort of, I don't really like specifically seek out music without any words but i i do listen to a lot of like classical and jazz which most of the time doesn't involve lyrics um and these days like i i listen to a lot of experimental like noisy stuff which usually if it has any sort of human vocal component it's just like screaming incomprehensibly <laughs> so, okay <laughs> so i i do i do listen to a lot of stuff that is not like lyric based at all you know that you say that uh screaming incoherently that was one of the reasons when i was younger and i was growing up and i listened to like metal music and you'd, you'd hear these guys yelling and screaming about stuff and it's like i don't know what they're saying but the guitars are awesome you know and that was what kind of yeah, yeah. drew me into the guitars and i was like i don't i'm not really too worried about what they're saying like what are they saying uh, metal death blow or something i don't know whatever it doesn't matter yeah the the voice is really just part of the texture at that point yeah 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 <laughs> oh man see you get it you get it Oh, yeah. uh, what kind of like jazz music do you listen to? Uh, if you would, if you could recommend one jazz musician or like one jazz musician you've been like, or a band even that you've been just like listening to a lot, what would it be? Uh, I'd say my favorite's probably Ornette Coleman. All right, I'm gonna write that He's, down. He was an alto saxophonist, uh, and he was a big pioneer of free jazz. So 
like the stuff we were talking about earlier where it's just totally improvised may or may not even be any sort of organizational principle to it you just get up and go you know that's that's really fun though i i wish i had the ability to do that because like when i was in high school people started to learn how to solo on like a trumpet or a sax or whatever and you'd play the jazz band and you get the nice little beat going and everybody would take their turns soloing and stuff mm-hmm. and i you know i couldn't figure it out because i was my headspace just wasn't right at the time but you know i also maybe it wasn't i just didn't lend myself to the instrument or whatever i didn't take the time to learn but uh it always blew my mind when people could do that and like you say if you if you take a little bit of that organization away and you just freeform it completely it's pretty wild it's almost like yeah. you show up in a room and a guy's playing a, a riff on a guitar and you just show up and play a different riff and then you just everybody just kind of just mishmashes stuff together until and you're like where are we going with this i don't know just keep going you know yeah yeah and that's actually that was part of my attraction to like totally free music is that when you've got chord changes and a, a beat going and the bass line i'm not as good at improvising over that and having it you know sort of conform to the rules that have been established by the solo section of like a jazz chart mm-hmm. like i i can do it but i never felt super comfortable with it like i know how chords and scales work of course but i couldn't really like i couldn't really do the things that i found interesting in time yes with that kind of music so i i was driven further and further afield to just totally open improvisation where like there aren't rules man you can just (laughs) just express yourself totally freely so when you were younger did someone like give you a frank zappa cd or dvd or something (laughs) is that what like got you into all this kind of stuff like seeing some guy on tv playing a uh what what the bike he played a bicycle on tv once if anybody remembers that i don't know yeah that's a that's a a bit popular youtube clip of frank zappa yeah <laughs> him uh, playing the bike I on some some like variety show i don't remember which one yeah yeah he's like blowing air through the handlebars and just all sorts yeah. of goofy stuff that stuff's great um i remember specifically there was a jazz quartet from boston that my band director was friends with uh steve shanley is the band director uh the quartet was called the quartet of happiness and they kind of opened my eyes to like what what a musical performance can be like they were very um game oriented mm-hmm. so like they, they would have interactions with the audience where like uh they they would play um scale degrees in a certain order and it's like a memory game with the audience oh and cool certain notes are assigned to certain numbers and if you dial the numbers on a phone, you can call one of them on stage. <laughs> they oh, do stuff like that. And that, it's all, it was also very um, – one of them has like a monster character that they use in a couple of their tunes. So he's playing a tenor saxophone just like totally wildly just screaming through it, making horrible, nasty noises. And I was very attracted to that. And that was actually like a really formative experience for me for my music now. How old were you when all that was happening? Oh yeah, think, it cut out. How old were you? Uh, I think the first time I saw them perform, I was fifteen. Fifteen, dude, that would have been so cool. Because yeah. like, uh, your whole life, and I'm not trying to like down on how everybody gets taught instruments, but your whole life, it's like this is how you do it. You only do it this way, and you hit these keys, and these are the only notes you can play, and this is all that music is. And then you see some guy yelling through yeah. an <laughs> instrument, you know, <laughs> like. Uh, 
that kind of stuff is super cool. It almost reminds me of like the first time I heard somebody do like a horse whinny on a trumpet. You know, it was like I didn't know you could <laughs> right. I didn't know you could do this thing, you know? Like Yeah. Nobody nobody told me that. And of course it's not in any books cuz it's not a normal thing, but <laughs> I totally get what you're saying where you're kind of would be intrigued by that and it would take you to the next level cuz that's literally all it is I think is a lot of people find see a couple things and they're like, "Man, this is it's really kind of makes me think about what I'm doing in a different level than the way I originally was. And that's, that's pretty cool. You ended up, uh, doing a lot of stuff with your saxophone all the way up through up until I, uh, going to university of Iowa where I distracted you on your story. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. Could you repeat that? I missed the first part of it. No, it's cool. I was talking about how, uh, I distracted you from your story, uh, going, from high school to co-college to university of Iowa and, uh, going there, I kind of deviated the story with some more questions, but, uh, what ended up happening at university of Iowa? Yeah. So I, I applied there, uh, interviewed, I, I got a job with the school while I was a grad student, um, teaching music theory to undergraduate students. Cool. Uh, so that, that paid my rent for a couple of years. Sweet. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> That's cool. Still man. probably probably the best job I've ever had, honestly. It sounds really um, cool, man. Yeah, and I, I studied composition with David Gomper there for two years. I got I got a master of arts degree in music composition. Dang. In two thousand in two thousand fourteen. Um, I met a lot of cool people that I still collaborate with now. I learned a lot about electronic music there, which has been very helpful to my uh, I'm doing air quotes career now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've always like intrigued by electronic music. That's another one where it's like, I don't know what's going on, but it, some of it's really neat and I wish I knew what was going on. Yeah. I, I don't know a lot about like, uh, electronic pop or like dance music. Mm-hmm. Like I, I listen to it and I understand, you know, what's going on, but I, I don't know anything about like the software they use, the production yeah. stuff that goes into it. I'm more into just, you know, noise music and experimenting with samples and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, do you like make your own samples to do stuff with or? Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've gotten into, you know, Ableton. Yep. The, yeah, I, I've gotten into using the drum samples they have on there to like make percussion tracks for myself to use like in dance classes and stuff. Cool. That's pretty awesome, man. I uh, I ventured into that a little bit, but I realized it wasn't it wasn't going to be an easy venture, so I kind of backed out. Um, yeah, I I have a gosh, I I always just I see things and people are doing them. I'm like, that looks so easy, and then you just jump into <laughs> it, and you're like, that's not easy at all, you know? Um, right. <laughs> so I mean, even people making like rap beats, I'm sure they you know they make it look super easy, but it's like that's there's really is a talent to it. Um, yeah, and they've probably been doing it for years, and like that's the kind of music they listen to for their whole life. So they like know the genre inside and out. They know, they know what came before. They know how it's evolved over time and they know how it's evolving currently. There's so much that goes into it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that's the other thing, like making music with a computer is, uh, I used to always just be like, dude, these DJs are just up there hitting two buttons and it's running the, <laughs> running the show. But like the behind the scenes production, like you were talking about, like how do they make the sounds, and program them the way they do and put them in the patterns that they do to get them to do what they need. You know, that's, there's a lot to that. Yeah. It might not be interesting visually once the performance comes around, but they, (laughs) they put a lot of work into it ahead of time. So when they press that button, that's all their work coming out. 
in just a single key press. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know that's that's wild stuff because sometimes like they'll take all these different tracks and mix them mix them together and pan them and all this other stuff and it gets really wild. I love watching those guys just sit there with like there's a couple laptops, a couple screens, and then there's just like mixers and faders everywhere, and they're just kind of booping back and forth from one to the next. It's like I don't know what they're doing, but it <laughs> sounds cool. So. Uh, you know, there's music everywhere. Like, uh, did you end up trying to do anything after you got your master's? Um, not like academically. Okay. Um, having spent two years in grad school, I sort of figured out that I did not want to spend the rest of my life in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you're getting a doctorate in composition, it's like you want to work at a university. Mm-hmm. Like that's, the, that's the end goal for that path. Makes sense. And I, you know, I enjoyed my time there, but I generally feel that the American education system is very exploitative of young people. Yeah. That may, that may be a reason why you waited to go to college. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do and I didn't want to waste my money. That was literally what it was. It's uh, money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, time and money. You know, I was going to, I was going to waste my time and my money on something I didn't want and... I waited until I needed to and I saved my money so I could spend it and I didn't go in debt. You know, I'd, I'd try, I did the whole thing, quote unquote, right, but it's not the right way because I waited so long and now I'm like, <laughs> sure. yeah, so there might not be a right way to eat that Reese's, but uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. How did you end up going from uh, getting a master's at the University of Iowa to a radio show? Oh, sure. Uh, so while I was... Uh, going to school at the university i had a friend he's a percussionist and composer his name is andy theroff and he was running a monthly free concert series called i hear i see mm-hmm. and this was started uh it began in 2009 as an attempt to bring uh students from the school of music together with like uh singer songwriters rock bands rappers etc from cool. the the Iowa city community at large mm-hmm. uh, and have these people meet each other and put on performances in, in different spaces around town together, you know, so people uh, form sort of more of a collaborative community together. That's beautiful, uh, man. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's great. And I, um, so I, I went to a couple of those while Andy was directing the series and it's like a pretty good vibe. Um, and then towards the end of my, studies i formed with a couple other guys uh, a free improvisation group called the compromisers okay. which is just a you know cheesy composers improvisers okay smash those together that's the name of the band i get it um sure <laughs> <laughs> and uh it, we started performing on the i hear i see shows we became basically like the house band for a while because andy would just put us on at the end oh, and nice. he would usually he would usually play with us so, uh, prior to that, like performing hadn't really been a part of my life for the past year and a half. I was just writing and I wanted to focus on like honing my composition craft. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I felt that like if I was wasting time performing, I wasn't writing, but honestly they would have informed each other really well. So that was a mistake on my part. Um, but you know, improvising and performing on a stage became more and more of a thing that I was doing. Uh, I graduated. I got a job at a a music retail store. I will not. <laughs> you're just I'm not like, going to say their name. Just you're just like me. I, I tell people I worked at a 
uh, food retail establishment. I'm not going <laughs> to tell anyone which one it was, but yeah. So you worked you worked at a music store. Worked at a music store. I was playing at these I Hear I See shows uh, usually every month while Andy was running it. And then Andy was moving to Philadelphia, so he needed somebody else to take over the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had noticed in his time running the monthly series that it was uh, a lot of work for one person to be you know, scheduling, booking a show every single month and trying to promote it. So when mm-hmm. he moved, uh, three of us took over his duties. So it was me. Uh, Carlos, who I mentioned earlier as the guitarist from Wombat. Cool. And our friend Kasia Lazinski, who uh, they were they were sort of an intermediate art student at the time. Mm-hmm. So studying all sorts of art and doing a lot of theater stuff. So they brought a different sort of artistic um, background to the series. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of poets to perform because they knew Kasia. Oh, cool. Stuff like that. So the three of us took over... Um, we got a lot better at like promoting the shows, uh, scheduling them a few months out instead of just month by month. Yes. Uh, trying to book a larger variety of acts on the show, bringing, bringing more and more people into it, making more people aware of the series, um, booking at more venues around town. Basically, three people can do a lot more work than one person. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, so uh... that was uh, that was 2015 when we took over and then to get to the radio show, which is what you asked about. Yep. Um, <laughs> after a couple years of us running the show, um, I met a girl named Asa Crow uh, when I was... Uh, in 2016, I caucused for Bernie Sanders, and then I ended up going to the district... Or, sorry, the county and then the district conventions in Iowa to be a delegate for him. Mm-hmm. I think it was at the county convention that I met Asa, and we were like seated next to each other at this thing. I found out she was the programming director at KRUI, which is the university's uh, college radio station. And so we met there and then I invited her to come to one of our shows. And then as we got to know each other better, she eventually asked me if I would want to do a radio show as sort of a compliment to the concert series. Oh, that's cool. I did. And so that was October, 2017 when that started and then just yesterday we did our hundredth episode. Yeah, as we're recording this, uh, you you've cleared a hundred episodes on your radio show, which uh, is not a small task, man. Um, I mean, as far as <laughs> I, I know you from like the podcast ish community because you you do put it out as a podcast so people can listen to it if on demand if they can't they're either right. not within earshot or don't have you know the time when it's live. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those things. So many podcasts don't make it to a hundred episodes and, and the fact that you guys made it to a hundred out, I was smiling all week watching your countdown every <laughs> single day. You'd put a post up. It's this many hours, that many hours. I was like, dude, this is so cool to make it to a hundred. It's just, uh, when you started was a hundred, even something that was in your mind. Yeah. I don't know. When I started, I was like, I had never done any sort of radio or podcast thing before. So I was like, I don't know. I guess I'll just play like clips from our live shows and <laughs> sort of, yeah. you know, introduce them, etc. Um, I really, I, I guess, wasn't thinking about like how long in the future it, I'd be doing it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm shrugging for those of you listening. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it, it, I totally get it. I mean, I'm only up to like 60 some, and 100 still feels miles away, man. It's just, uh, it's that's no small task. It's no small feat. 
no small feat. It's not a small task either. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's insane like uh, to have a show that's music-based that uh, started out as a concert series that was free. Am I right? It's free concert yeah. series. and still is free. Yeah. S- still is free. So you can go check out these uh, performances. Do you post them on your website, IHearIC.com? Yeah, there's uh, we have a YouTube channel, so videos of all of the performances end up there. And I also, you know, I have Facebook events for when the shows are happening. Cool, and that's at uh, on the I Hear I See Facebook page. Yeah. Oh man. If you go to IHearIC.com, there's links to everything there. I'm there right now. Boom, there they are, right at the bottom. Links to everything. Uh, yeah, every single thing there. Uh, email the whole nine yards. You can even listen within the website. So that's pretty baller. You got a Patreon page too? Heck yeah, you do. I do. Yeah, I can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, what goes so, on on your Patreon? So it's a free concert series, mm-hmm. but uh, a couple years ago, I I was offered a gig and I was asked asked to do it for exposure, which is something a lot of people have heard a lot of times, I'm sure, as mm-hmm. artists. Yep. And that was sort of like the last straw for me. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got really annoyed at that one. And at the time, you know, we were doing these free shows and everyone was sort of just doing it for fun to like, you know, experiment and get get our stuff out there. Mm-hmm. But I I was talking to Carlos and I was like, I think we really need to just start paying people, like even if it's just like 5 bucks, like the people that are performing on the stage, like they need to go home with something. Because I feel like that really elevates a show. If it's everyone gets in for free, everyone performs for free, and like no one's making any money except the bar, maybe. Um, That's like, you know, you enjoyed some music, that's good, but everyone goes home. They don't feel like maybe that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Like I'm I'm not actually a musician because I'm just doing it in my free time. I'm not getting anything out of it. But if you pay them, even if it's just a little bit, it's like that might have been the first time they've ever been paid. And yeah. that will be that'll be like a big step forward if they want to make this more of a career thing, you know, or I, e- even like a hobby that pays for itself. Yeah. And that's not out of line. Even um, I like to think of things like this and try and build an analogy to another um, um, industry or something like that. So that kind of reminds me of like comedians when they want to go try out new material and stuff, they don't really go to like open mics, but they go fill up a little slot at like Tuesday night at 1130 at a club. And they might only get like 10, 15 bucks to go up there for 10, 15 minutes or whatever, which, you know, it's not much money for these people who can sell out arenas, but at the same rate, you got to go somewhere and do something. And the places can't really pay you a ton of money because they have tons of people coming through there. So, you know, you got to think about your big name comedians. It's like, I can't pay these people, those people, those people. I, I don't have enough money to do that. So we'll just give you right. some some money to make it worth your while. And mm-hmm. everybody's on the understanding that that's the way, you know, that's the way it works. And at least people get compensated for their time and effort. That's, uh, that's definitely something. Because I've been on, you know, I've been on those shows where, like you said, you do it just for exposure or... I mean, I played a benefit show last weekend, um, which I'm not, I'm down to play benefit shows anytime. That was toys for tots. It was wild. There was so much, so many toys. It was so crazy. (laughs) I didn't know there was going to be that many people there or that many toys. Like there were so many toys you almost couldn't get in the front door. (laughs) So I don't know, but like, I get what you're saying though. It's (laughs) tough to go to a place, play a show, uh, invest all your time, energy, and money driving there, driving back, uh, waiting around for your turn to play, bringing all of your gear, trying to make sure everything's safe for 
yeah. nothing. It's just tough. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, we made the decision like everyone's going to get paid, even just a little bit. Um, at the time, I set up a GoFundMe, and I was like, if anybody wants to kick into this, like this is what Carlos and I are going to be doing from now on. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that actually went pretty well. We raised like five hundred dollars off that, if I remember right. Cool. And so that that meant we could pay everybody like fifteen bucks or so mm-hmm. at each show. Um, and the, the general outline of each show is like everybody only does like a 15 to 20 minute set and we just sort of get in and out real quick. Mm-hmm. It's just like a little sampler of what people are doing around town basically. Yeah. And so after a few months I was like, well, I have seen a bunch of podcasts are using this website, Patreon for like a monthly subscription kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I figured that would work well for us. So I started that, um, at some point last year it was in 2018, um, we don't have a ton of people on there, but like it helps pay everybody. I pay every, every act gets $20 at each show now, which is not bad for like a that, short set. That's not bad at all, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the stuff that the sort of perks that people get for subscribing, um, each, every month that we have a concert, I take a video of the whole thing and the Patreon subscribers get to see it first before it comes out to the public on YouTube. Beautiful. Um, and then we usually take a break in the summer because in Iowa city, like nobody is in town in yep. the summer. It's yep. very much a college town. So in June and July of this year, I just recorded like an extra podcast and gave that to the Patreon subscribers. It's awesome, man. That's uh, I've always wondered what kind of extra content you could put out on the Patreon page to make it worthwhile. Cause I mean, I've, I mean me as a podcaster too, it's like, should I have a Patreon? And if I do, what should I put on there? And it's, it it probably wasn't as tough of a decision for you, uh, knowing you're already chugging out so much content as far as a free concert series, radio show, and then you're doing video of it anyways. So it kind of yeah. made sense, you know? Yeah, I've got stuff I can put on there. So, And we need money since I'm paying people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a great cause. And uh, the, the link to the Patreon, if anyone wants to check it out, is also on uh, your website, I Hear, I See. Uh, I see it right there at the bottom. Yep. So... That's also there. Um, you got Facebook. You got you got everything. Twitter, Instagram, um, YouTube, uh, Bandcamp. There's, I mean, there's stuff on here. I might not know what it is even. I mean, you got so much stuff. You're you're available literally everywhere. You can stream it every week. Do your shows disappear um, after you after they're available on podcasts? Um, the only platform that they disappear from is SoundCloud because I don't want to pay for an unlimited account. <laughs> uh, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, yeah, I so there's a three-hour limit on there. Yeah, so or you, they might be changing the limit, but there is a limit regardless. Yeah, so you could probably only put like two episodes, three episodes, or whatever on there, and then they'll they'll start going away. But uh, yeah, they cycle through. Yeah, um, on your Apple phone, go to your uh, podcast app and check it out there. I I subscribed and left a review. Uh, it's it's really refreshing to see somebody doing. I mean. What you're doing right now is like a grandiose dream as far as something I could ever be doing with what what I'm doing. So what you're doing is like, uh, um, it's it's amazing. I'm I look up to you for what you're doing. You're you're doing a huge service to the music uh, community around you. As far as I'm concerned, uh, even as far as getting people involved to collaborate in fashions that they might not ever collaborate in, or getting people to sit in the same room with someone they might not. Uh, that's, that's brilliant, man. Um, well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't start it, but I, I do feel like I've done a decent job of continuing it and growing it as much as I could. 
Yeah, you're, you're doing a heck of a job. I mean, I, I guess I didn't know it started out as a free concert series only and then went to a radio show after that. So mm-hmm. that, that's pretty cool. I, uh, I guess I did, it's just one of those things. I guess I just thought um, originally without ever asking you anything about it, it was just a show you had started um, and there was a concert series that was uh, attached to it. So there's actually a pretty big backstory behind I Hear, I See. So it's uh, it's got some longevity. It's got some legs on it, man. I see. Yeah, it uh, actually it turned ten this year, so it's ten years old, hundred episodes, <laughs> and ten years old. That's wild, man. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. So, what do you see for the future of I Hear I See? Anything going on? Of course. Well, uh, continue uh, growing the concert series. So, like, <laughs> totally cut out. <laughs> okay, I think we're we're good. I think we're back on. All right. So you asked me, uh, what do I see for the future? Yep. Um, I mean, I just I would like the concert series to just keep growing, like draw a larger and larger audience at the moment i mean it's like we draw decent crowds for a free iowa city show mm-hmm. but i would like to just you know bring in hundreds you know yeah <laughs> every time um and i'd like to just keep being able to pay people more and more as we keep going um and if this could be something that like i could you know make a living off of as well <laughs> that, that would, would be great that would be super <laughs> cool man uh yeah do you do your shows primarily like in at venues like coffee shops and things like that or have you ever tried one outside uh yeah we actually have done um since i've been running the show we've done one at the city park um here in iowa city there's there's a park in town that has like a a round wood shakespeare kind of stage okay for for plays in the summer mm-hmm so we, we booked that for one of the shows. Um, and back when Andy was running the show, they used to do um, shows on the Ped Mall in Iowa City. Cool. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. So uh, do you think, I guess that would probably garnish a little bit more foot traffic, but it might not lend itself to right. people sticking around, um, at yeah. least at the Ped Mall area. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with Iowa City, it's a, it's a nice little... Uh, I don't want to call it like a shopping district, but it's a nice little place that's got bars and places to shop, places to eat, uh, sort of knickknacky things and all sorts of good stuff. Right, right downtown in Iowa City, next to the university, it's a really cool area. Um, yeah, it's kind of the centerpiece of our downtown. Yeah, man, and I mean, you've got a great city to be doing what you're doing in, um, as far as being able to put shows on and things like that. The Iowa City area is is chocked full of musicians, um, whether or not they be on on the guitars and drums and bass type deal or or more experimental or even people that are going to the university there because i don't think there's another university that has an outlet quite like this like you guys do uh yeah i don't know i don't uh i don't follow really what's going on in other towns as closely as maybe i should (laughs) i've i've been trying to dig deeper to find people that have anything that's even remotely close to what um i have going on so i can uh, try and find them and give them the props they deserve and I don't Mm -hmm. think there's any other, I don't think there's, I mean, if there is, I would love somebody to tell me, but I don't think there's any other, um, like music podcasty radio shows, um, independently run type deals like this that are in any other university town in Iowa. So, um, you know, even though you didn't start it, you know, you still got it, you keeping it going hundred episodes strong, man. That's Mm -hmm. wild. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't believe it. This is really cool because, I mean, even though you and I had uh, met a little bit at the podcast meetup that we did, uh, I learned so much about you in this conversation. It's wild, man. (laughs) 
That's really cool. I uh, got to ask you a lot of questions I've been been thinking about asking you for a long time. And I mean, there's still plenty more I'd love to ask you just to pick your brain about stuff. But uh, we're getting close to an hour here. Is there anything you want to uh, give shout outs to? Any anything you want to plug before we before we take yeah. off? Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. There's we covered a lot of my like musical output. So I think all of that's been covered. Um, I would like to plug a, a show that I've been doing for just a couple months now. I started a second podcast with some of my friends. Um, cool. And this one is this one's politics based, mm-hmm. and uh, it's called Rock Hard Caucus. Okay. So <laughs> I would like to uh, <laughs> I would like to shout out my co-hosts on that one: uh, Natalie Harwood, Chuck Yonda, and Evan Jones. Um, we we come at things from a very uh, leftist perspective. So if, if you find yourself to the left of the Democrats, you probably will hear some things you agree with. If you listen to our show, uh, we just, we've put out 12 episodes. It's much younger than I hear. I see radio, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, but we also started a Patreon for that. So (laughs) if you listen to the free shows and you like what you hear and you want us to make more of it, you know, you could check it out there too. I'm sure that's available everywhere, just like I hear I see. It is. Yes. All right. Uh, you got a website for Rock Hard Caucus? Um, I think the SoundCloud is kind of the main hub for that one. So that's soundcloud.com slash rockhardcaucus. Cool. Um, you all know how to spell caucus, so <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, man. That's really cool. Uh, I've, th- I've debated starting a second podcast, but I don't have – it comes back down to not wanting to take the leap. So kudos to you for taking the leap and actually starting a second podcast and uh and really diving oh, in you know feet first into this like uh renegade broadcasting thing that we we kind of have going here so it's it's really cool uh I love yeah. seeing new podcasts pop up around the Iowa area uh it's 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 cool man i i really appreciate everything you're doing uh, you're doing a stellar job i implore everybody to check out everything i hear i see um it's online www.ihearic.com anything mm-hmm. else from you Justin well, I want to say there's one thing that you do have over me so far. Uh, oh, God. Since you started, since, <laughs> since you started our Audible Farm, uh, you haven't taken a week off, right? You no. release an episode every single week. Yeah, that's really like that's consistency. I haven't, uh, I haven't done that with my show. Sometimes I just need a Sunday off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've spent too many nights staying up way too late editing down podcasts and. <laughs> And sometimes I'm just like, I'm not editing it. It's coming out as it sits. So yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's worked out for the best. You know, I haven't heard any backlash at all over people using potty mouth because everything is labeled as explicit on the just in case anybody lets something slip right. out, you know, so everybody's we pretty clean on this one. Yeah, we are. I usually don't drop too many um, swear words. Uh, occasionally, if I'm with like some of my buddies, I'll drop an F-bomb and sometimes I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, and <laughs> I debate editing it out every time. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It just is yeah. what it is. I want. Uh, I just want this to help showcase people's personalities and the things they're doing and the hard work they're putting in. And uh, it's it's doing it, man. And that's you know you're doing the same thing I'm doing, but uh, you're actually allowing people to play music, which is might even be a deeper level of uh, of getting to know people, which is something else that oh, I yeah. I just want to point at people like you, podcasts, shows like yours that are actually allowing people to play music or playing the music for you know, these people, uh, whether or not you're playing recorded tracks or whatever people are doing on their shows. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've tried my best to steer clear of playing music on my podcast just so I don't 
upset anybody um whether or not i have any monetary gain out of it i don't want it to be at anyone else's expense uh, yeah right um i mean I, you and i actually discussed that a little bit in a uh online over a post that was made once uh but <laughs> yeah you'd you'd been accused of uh some shady activity <laughs> yeah and and none of it was true and everything worked right. out for the better and every, everybody's wiser and and better off now so it all worked out okay but it was just a misunderstanding and uh and that's where I was glad I was on the side I was, I guess. I also just don't know any of the thing. I don't know what I need to do to get the rights to play music and stuff. So I'm just not going to worry about it. I'll let you guys take care of it. <laughs> it's a very confusing uh, legal web. Yeah. Yeah. The way, that, the way that copyright works and the way that the internet just like completely flattens everything. Or like you, you, can, you could put like the top 10 current Billboard hits in your podcast today and like nothing would happen to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I could put like one indie song that somebody put on CD baby and CD baby flags my stuff and yeah, kick, exactly. kicks me off the internet forever. And that's, <laughs> you know, I ran into that one time on, uh, on YouTube. It's my only strike on YouTube. I used a song by permission and they didn't care, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, the YouTube like copyright algorithm is totally automated. And like, I have um, I have a video of myself playing some cover songs on the I Hear I See YouTube page, mm -hmm. and it it recognized one of the songs I played as a different song completely. Oh. So so somebody is playing ads on my video and like getting ad revenue for a song that isn't theirs, and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> yeah, because I mean that's the other thing people don't understand is to to fight back against that is such a long battle that you're not gonna win. Um, yeah, I, I put in uh, like a claim. I was like, no, it's not my song, but it's also not the song you're saying it is. Oh, <laughs> and they yeah. haven't done anything. It's like, yeah. well, well, it's out of my hands. <laughs> yep, that's just the way she goes. So, uh, you know, kudos, man. We've we've surpassed an hour. This is really fun to get to know you. Hopefully everybody else checks your show out. You've cleared 100 episodes. Uh, here's to 100 more, man. Thank you. Yeah. And what's uh, what's your episode number? this one uh this one will be 66 uh as okay. we rec as we have recorded this i have an episode coming out on thursday and this one will be coming out uh the next thursday so this will okay. be episode 66 okay well here's wishing you another 66 then. <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks buddy it's good to talk to you yeah thanks peter oh snap there's another one in the bank uh justin's a cool guy i tell you what He's got a lot of, uh, he's very knowledgeable when it comes to music, and it's it's kind of neat to talk to somebody that, um, I guess I talked mostly to guitarists and drummers and singers of that nature, but, you know, it's kind of cool to talk to somebody that uh, has a different perspective on the whole thing. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty wild that he's been, I don't want to say classically trained, but he's been trained how to, how to do the whole music thing, uh, quote unquote, correctly but he still has the ability to push the envelope and, and make it as interesting to him as, as he can because, um, like we talked about in the podcast a little bit, just playing that one four five stuff is it's not as um, involving as it usually could be uh, if you're playing other kinds of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with the people playing one four five stuff because I'll tell you what that's where I that's where I make my bread and butter most of the time. So um, shout out to Justin for showing up on the podcast. We we talked about doing a podcast a couple different times, and uh, you know I, I I'm glad we finally made time. 
it's not always easy for me to meet up with people so huge hats off to justin for uh joining me on a little skype cast adventure uh getting to know him a little bit it's really cool if you guys are interested in any of the bands that he's got i've got links down below i've also got a link down below to his radio show check it out I also want to say that uh, Justin's got a show coming up. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, Justin's got a show tonight in Iowa City. So I want you guys to check that out if you're in the Iowa City area. I got a link to that down below as well. So check out all those goodies. Make sure you uh, check out all the websites he's got available. Go to IHearIC.com. Check it out. Like I said, there's links down below to all of these goodies. So we got all sorts of stuff like that to check out. Make sure you check it out. I also want to say thanks to our sponsor, Couchtown Coffee. I want to say thanks to each and every one of you guys for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate it. Without you guys listening and without these awesome guests, I don't really know if this podcast would have much of a point. So thank you very much. Appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you go to www.audiblefarm.com. You can listen to the podcast there. You can also find links to everything Audible Farm from there. Um, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. It's all there. There's also links to uh, the small bit of merch that we have available. That's right. We have merch. If you didn't know, we have some Audible Farm merch. We've got uh, t-shirts, a very, very limited supply of t-shirts left. I haven't ordered anymore. So if you want a t-shirt, maybe hop on that one. Otherwise, uh, I've got sweatshirts. If you guys want a sweatshirt, I've got sweatshirts available too. More information at audiblefarm.com or our Facebook, facebook.com. Make sure you look for Audible Farm on Facebook. There's also uh, an Audible Farm group on Facebook. If you look for Audible Farm, um, there's a group there available too. If you want to share your links there, you can share uh, band links, uh, event links, uh, whatever you want. I don't care. It's a kind of open season for anybody. If you share a Facebook event there, it goes into a nice little aggregated calendar I've made. And uh, I keep debating whether or not to, to announce uh, shows on the upcoming weekend, uh, whether or not I want to put them on there or make them in a, into a different show or make like a little Friday show that's just like five minutes announcing what shows are going on where, whatever is going on. I don't know. If you guys have any interest in anything like that at all, let me know. Find uh, so find us on social media. Let Audible Farm know. Um, send us a message, email, uh, tweet, links, poke, whatever. I don't care. Just let us know if you think that would be something you would uh, like to do. And uh, I just want to say thanks to everybody for listening to the Audible Farm podcast. Um, check you next week. Peace. <laughs>